Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. And on the third day, He rose again. This is the good news. This is the Gospel. This is the most concise, concise statement of God's love to you. You know that He loves you. He is demonstrating that love to you now in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 1 says that Jesus Christ was declared the Son of God with power through the resurrection from the dead. The apostles preaching in the book of Acts says He died according to the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, having been nailed to the cross by the hands of sinful men, and having died, it was impossible for Him to be held by its power. And He has risen from the dead. In the book of Revelation, the Lord Jesus says in the first person that He is the one who is dead and who is alive again, that He lives forevermore and that He holds in His hands the keys of death and Hades, hell. The Bible says very clearly, Acts 17, that God has appointed that all men everywhere should repent. And this same God has said in love unspeakable, and full of mercy that He will judge the world in righteousness through a man, Christ Jesus. And Acts 17 says, He has furnished proof to the whole world that He will do this, having raised Him from the dead. Those who are in Christ are in the risen Christ. Those who have salvation have the life of the risen Jesus, the Savior. First Peter says clearly, that we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I don't know your spiritual condition, but God does. And I have good sense that many, many in this room have tasted from the streams of God's saving mercies in Jesus. We have fellowshiped together, so many of us around the throne of God in prayer and around rejoicing conversation in the sufficiency of Christ. I don't know, though, where all of you are, but I do know this. No matter what your condition was spiritually when you walked in the room, no matter what your relationship to God was when you woke up this morning, I do know that if you are Ephesians 2, dead in trespasses and sins, right here, right now, God would be much glorified to make you alive together with Christ. That is our prayer. Could you believe it if I told you that there is a person who is changeless? That there is a human who now through every time and through every season remains the same. He is ever the same. That there is one without any alteration who endures through Endless generations. Now such a person would be hard to imagine because we know that even the best of us are transient. Our life shifts. And many of us have already experienced today that our moods swing. 
Our moral fabric is sometimes compromised. Our best and most earnest and most resolute determinations have been broken. Our character has cracks in it. There are fault lines all over these feeble creatures that you look at in this room today. But friends, the good news is this, that God is not like us. He's not like us at all. He's not even like the best person that you've ever known, infinitely bettered. He's wholly other. He has a character separate from all others. What happens to God when your life quakes? When the earthquakes hit your life, what happens to Him? Does the Lord Jesus Christ tremble when the sand of your life shifts? Does He melt when your marriage suffers or when your children go wayward or when your mood swings or when your anger flares? What happens to the Almighty when you forget about Him? When you go endless hours and sometimes days and many of us perhaps even months, often people go years without even thinking of Him. What if you abandon hope that He's even out there somewhere? What if you give up on the notion that there might be a heaven or a hell instead of just some endless nothing? Does anything alter his character? The 19th century British preacher who, for good reason, is well known, Charles Spurgeon said, it is well that there is one person who is the same. It is well that there is one stable rock amidst the changing billows of the sea of life and it is to that changeless one that we want to look now and we want to fix our gaze on him the sermon text is where we have been lingering for some time it is hebrews which is toward the end of your new testament the book of hebrews and the very last chapter hebrews chapter 13 one little verse that we'll zero in on which couldn't have fallen more appropriately on an Easter Sunday morning. But I want to read together the couplet of verses that make up the thought. Hebrews 13, let your eyes fall on verse 7. Perhaps the neighbor sitting next to you will let you look on if you don't have a Bible with you. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Hear the word of the living God. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today forever can you let that seep down to the lowest crevice of your soul hebrews 13 8 memorize it jesus christ is the same yesterday and today and forever jesus christ is the same yesterday and today and forever let's ask him to help us understand father we ask that by the Holy Spirit, you would show us the real Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Today's sermon is the difference, really, between a thermometer and a thermostat. Uh, when your kids 
Those of you who have them have been ill. Everybody rushes around to try to find where the thermometer is, and before we use it, we try to verify that it has been well sanitized, right? But the thermometer is very different than the thermostat. The thermometer lets you know what the temperature is. The thermostat sets the temperature. So you go to the little gadget on your wall, if you have something like that, and you turn it to a particular degree or number, and it controls everything else. But the thermometer lets you know what the temperature is. See, those are very different. The thermometer tells you the temperature. The thermostat sets it. You're the thermometer. You find out by what you stick your life in how life can change. Bad company corrupts good morals. Do not be deceived. Character is adjustable in you. But he's not like you. The Lord Jesus Christ is the same unalterably, immutably, unchangeably the same. He doesn't shift no matter what the context or situation might be. You change with variables, but Jesus is the thermostat that sets the standard. He is never moved by surrounding variables. You don't adjust Him. You don't change Him. He is the plumb line. And today's question is, do you know Him? Has he left a dent in your life? Has he changed the temperature of your life? To be in proximity to Jesus, not just in physical location, we can see that in the Gospels. There were a lot of people who got close to him, even asked him questions and interacted with him. But they never had a dent left in their life by his majesty. And then there are others, like the Apostle John, a little teenager who gets into close proximity to Jesus and hears his teaching and sees his life and listens to his message and watches his miracles. And then he says things 40 years later like this. I saw his glory. Jesus had left a dent in the man that could never be undone. Today, that Jesus is as he has ever been and is as he ever will be. He is the same. The Bible teaches that you don't change him one iota by your faith or faithlessness. Even if we remain faithless, God remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. He's the same. Well, there's three simple points, and I hope that you can see what they are from verse 8 that I'd like for us to consider. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. On this Easter weekend, we're reminded of what the heart of Christianity is all about. If you're not very familiar with the Christian faith, what a great day to come and just to zero in again, to drill down to the core of the core to hear what Christianity is all about. What is this faith? Is it just one among many religions? Do you believe what you believe because you weren't born in the Middle East or somewhere in North Africa? Do you happen to be sympathetic to the ideas of Christianity because you're a 21st century Westerner? Other religions will tell you all kinds of things about Jesus. Do we just happen to have one of many other ideas that may or may not, with varying degrees, be accurate? This day, Easter Sunday, for what happened on that first century day outside of Jerusalem in a borrowed tomb when the women and the disciples found it empty because the angel was accurate when he said, He is not here. He is risen just as he told you. When the Lord Jesus Christ, dead corpse, 
was injected again with life everlasting, the apostles say never to die again. When that happened, it proved that Christianity is not just one among many religions. It is altogether different, categorically different, unique. Jesus, friends, is the only way for you to be saved. Other religions will tell you other things about Jesus. No doubt they'll tell you that he's a good teacher, he's a prophet, he's a nice person. There are lots that don't even deny that he was a miracle worker, but the Bible's going to tell you something that all those things flow from. He is God. The same Jesus who bled and died for your sins, mutilated in such a way that would make your stomach nauseous if you could have seen it, the Jesus who was suspended on that cross outside of Jerusalem in the first century and was tortured as men played dice for his clothes while his blood dripped on the ground. That Jesus, whose lifeless body and eyes were matted together and closed shut from dried blood, whose pigmentation had lost its color because it had been surpassed by the bruises and the whelps and the lacerations that were on his back. When the lifeless body of that man who died on that cross was laid into that tomb, when that one had his crusted over eyes opened again, and when his fingers twitched again, with real life injected into that physical frame, when he rose again from the dead, it demonstrated, as the Bible would say, with power, Romans 1.4, that He is the Lord of the universe whether you like it or not. He is God. He didn't become God. He was demonstrated and declared to be God through the resurrection from the dead. So the truth that says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday is really the foundation of the Christian faith. What we're saying is all the yesterdays that have gone, and even before yesterday began, before this little invention of God called time, which will soon pass away, and melt into an eternity, and be no more, there won't be temporal categories. We won't think chronologically in the age to come. When we see Him, we'll be like Him. When we say He's the same yesterday, we're saying He's God. He's God. Verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. I reacquainted myself again this week with the Christology of the leading false religions and reading primary sources from key so-called prophets of the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Muslims and the Mormons. They'll tell you that Jesus was created. He wasn't the same yesterday. They'll say he's been around for a long time, and if it's the Mormons via Elohim or the Jehovah's Witnesses in some demigod fashion, they'll tell you that he's been around a long time, a lot longer than you or I. But they'll tell you that he once began, that he was created. But the Bible wants you to know that he was the same yesterday. That he is not created, he's the creator. What were you like yesterday? No, literally, yesterday. Saturday, what were you like? What about the day before that? 
Have you been consistently in public the same person that you are in private? Has the unseen you been the same as the social you? Has your online life been seamless with your interpersonal life? Are you the same? Is it what you see is what you get, no alteration ever, period? Do you really want to trust your eternal fate? What's going to happen to you when you breathe your last? Do you want to trust your eternal fate to somebody like you? Or even more near, to you? Somebody who's tossed around by the waves of life and who shifts like the sand. You want to know what we need? You want to know what we are, you, you crave? The vacuum deep in our soul that God put there so that we would know that we were made for another. And that we cannot solve our deepest problems. Do you want to know what we need? We need a floor. We need a foundation. We need a rock that our little fickle hearts can land upon and not be moved around when the waves of life come and even when this life comes to a close. We need in the shadowy seasons of our soul and on the best days of our life, we need a foundation. That's the reason that Jesus is the same yesterday really, really, really matters for the Christian faith. You see, knowing Jesus doesn't start with you and what you know. We're all born with this problem called sin. Though we were created in the image of God, we are tainted from the inside out. Down to the core of our being, our thoughts are not exempt from the effects of sin. And it's not that our thoughts need to be enhanced for us to be able to know God. Our thoughts need to be engulfed in God's own thoughts about God. Who is He? See, knowing Jesus doesn't start with you and it doesn't start with me. It doesn't start with what you know. Knowing Jesus starts with God and with what God says about Him. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. That's introduction to say these precious truths. He is who He has always been. Now friends, if that doesn't light your fire or fill your bucket, that's worth a thousand sermons. He is who He has always been. Those two little words with which everyone will reckon the same. The same. You're going to stand before the immutable Christ and He will be the same. Our forefathers in the faith found Jesus faithful at every turn. That's why yesterday is a carry-on of what we find in verse 7. Remember those who spoke the Word of God to you. And considering the outcome of their faith, imitate them. Considering the result of their conduct, follow their pattern. Well, that's verse 7. Those who spoke the Word of God to you. If you just go back into verse 6, you'll find David. And if you go back into verse 5, you'll find Joshua. Joshua heard in Joshua 1.5 from this immutable Jesus. He heard, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. David in Psalm 118, which we find in verse 6, heard those glorious words, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, what will man do to me? And then verse 7 says, so remember your leaders, remember those who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, meaning they've already died, 
Considering, some translations would say, the end of their life, imitate them. We're not talking about people who are still alive. We're talking about people from yesterday. People who've already run the race of the Christian life and found Jesus faithful. The author of Hebrews is saying, was he enough for them? Did he carry little scared Joshua after Moses died on top of the mountain without being able to go into the promised land because of his egregious sin of not treating God as holy when he struck the rock? And then here comes Joshua having to take the mantle of leadership for two million plus Israelites by the time of the end of the wilderness wanderings. One little guy who, yeah, he had watched Moses and been his protege, but he's scared stiff. He doesn't even know how they're going to cross the Jordan River, much less conquer the promised land. And God says to him, I'm with you. Do not fear. Did God prove faithful to little Joshua? As Joshua rested his little fragile life into the immense mighty arm of Jesus. Yes. What about David? Little man putting on the armor, right? So big that it hung off of his body. Trying to take the spear and get out to battle against the Philistine giant. All Israel standing behind, hoping that he'll somehow prove to be their champion. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that his lip quivered or that he was scared. We get every sense that he was bold and courageous and confident. But where did that confidence come from? It didn't come from within him. It didn't come because he was special or different than you and I. He's a man of clay feet, just like you, just like me. Did God prove faithful to little David? All those conquests. Saul has killed his thousands. David is 10,000. Did God prove faithful to him yesterday? Did he carry Joshua? Did he carry David? The author of Hebrews is saying, he's the same. The same Jesus of yesterday is the same Jesus today. You don't get to remake him. He's trustworthy. The outcome of their faith was God-glorifying, God-pleasing, God-honoring, God-worshipping obedience. And you want that life. Imitate them, verse 7. Live like they did on the immovable rock, the same Jesus Christ of yesterday. He is the same yesterday. But He's also the same today. Jesus Christ, who is the same in all the yesterdays that have come, is the same today. You see, you're like everybody else. We always live for one day, when such and such, then I will. We're all like that. You're going to get around to it someday, right? We all live with that temptation. The question of the ages is not only is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, but is, is he enough for you right here, right now? Is Christ enough for you? If God withheld from you all the world but gave you His Son, would you know that you had all that you needed? If He withheld from you His Son and gave you all the world, would you know that you lacked everything that you need? Jesus Christ is the same today. You see, this little sentence that I hope you've now memorized, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, is not a definition. It's an affirmation. It's a statement of faith. It is an affirmation that our little faith has been catapulted onto the immovable rock of another. It's not a definition. Theologically, he's not the same. 
today as he was yesterday. Now, I'm not trying to be uh, misinterpreting what the verse so clearly says, but I'm saying it's not a definition, it's an affirmation. You see, he has always been. He is the creator of the universe. But there came a day when the immutable God was altered. Hebrews chapter 2 talks about this. We call it the incarnation. Because the brethren share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, so that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all our lives. He became like us. Hebrews 2.17 says he took on flesh and blood so that he could become our propitiation, so that he could die. He became a man. And if you've read your Bible to the end, you know that that wasn't just a little temporary intermission for Jesus. But the immutable Jesus of yesterday is not the same. in the sense that when he became a man, he remains a man for all eternity. Who's coming again, Acts chapter 1? This same Jesus, who you have seen ascend, will come again. Bodily, in the book of Revelation, we find them worshiping the Lamb as if slain. When he rises from the dead, he tells Thomas, do you see the prince in my hand and the scar in my side and the prince in my feet? He took a piece of broiled fish and he put it in his mouth and he ate it to prove to them that he's the real man, though the God-man. So in that sense, he's not the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, who has always been in the infinite love of God, became man so that he could suffer in your place. So that today, I mean today, I mean March 27, 2016, little gymnasium tucked away and half the city doesn't even know that this place exists. The people in this neighborhood don't even know that you're in this room. But I'm telling you that the God of the universe is shouting into your ear in tones of love. He is the same for you today. You can trust him today. If he was enough for our forefathers in the faith and he was, then he's enough for you right here, right now. That's why the Apostle John said, of his fullness we have all received and grace on top of grace john is saying there's enough mercy in him for you today you can have him because he is today who he has ever been titus lewis wrote in that hymn that this church loves to sing mighty christ from time eternal mighty he man's nature takes Mighty went on Calvary dying. Mighty death itself he breaks. This is Philippians 2. Who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a servant. And being found in appearance as a man, he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him. This is the same Jesus of yesterday who is the same today. Your affirmation of faith is he's just as trustworthy for me right here, right now, as he has always been for any of his people. If Abraham can rely on him to come out of Ur of the Chaldees and trust him to provide a place and a city and a salvation, then you can trust him. If Noah can trust him 
to put seven human beings, eight counting himself, into an ark that he had laboriously built, believing that God would keep his promise that rain would wipe away all the inhabitants of the earth. And God fulfilled that promise and carry him to safety into the one place that God's salvation would be provided, then you can trust him. If he proved to Daniel in the lion's den or the three boys who wouldn't bow before the statue of the pagan king, and he proved himself faithful to little Esther who stood in the king's presence with maybe quivering lip and said, if I perish, I perish, and he was faithful, then you can know that if he's the same today as he was then, then you can trust him. And we've got to die to the I'll get around to that tomorrow. You're not getting around to it tomorrow. You've already lived through a hundred tomorrows. Some of you have lived through a thousand tomorrows. Some of you have lived through year after year after year of one day, one day, one day. Friends, I love you enough to say to you, if Jesus is not enough for you now, there's no guarantee he'll ever be enough for you. You don't need a change of circumstance. You don't need a change of situation. There's nothing about your life that is an impenetrable impediment between you and the cross of Christ. There's nothing between you and Jesus today. Zero zilch. The cross of Christ is for you here and now. And the risen Jesus holds out his hand extended in saving love to say he'll have you if you'll turn from your sin today and trust in him. Sell your soul to Jesus. Give everything you've got to Jesus. Bank it all on Jesus. He's faithful today. He's still the one who radiates the glory of God, John 1.14. He is right here, right now, the image of the invisible God. He's still, John 1.18, exegetes the knowledge of God, shows you who God is. He is the light of the world, and he is right here, right now, without exception, no caveat, no asterisk, no subnote, no footnote, no, no caveat, no nothing, no parentheses, no maybes. He is now for you here the way the truth and the life and no one will come to the father except through him he's the same today and there's nobody more relevant nobody more contemporary i went with a handful of people from this church several of whom are sitting in this room right now just around the neighborhood sharing jesus with people and praying with people and i heard yesterday this statement what does he have to do with me the sentence i heard yesterday what does he have to do with me see jesus didn't feel too relevant too up to date the old dusty jesus of the bible if anybody could dare to believe in him anymore and be so narrow-minded as to trust in him anymore what does he have to do with me today you see if he is the same today as he was yesterday then there's nobody more relevant there's nobody more contemporary. He's not just the Jesus of yesterday. He's more contemporary than you are. He's more relevant than you are. He's lived in every century, every epoch, every time, every place. He is the resident of Memphis. He is the today man. And he is tomorrow's man. He's more relevant than you are. He's more contemporary than you are. He doesn't wear out or grow old. His relevance doesn't fade. He's the same. He's only irrelevant to those who will soon be irrelevant. Your forefathers trusted in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of their sins and he proved faithful. 
I pray and I have prayed earnestly that your sons and your daughters will trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That your grandsons and your great-grandsons and daughters will trust in Jesus Christ. And if they will, we can say today with unwavering confidence that they will find Him unwaveringly the same. And today, oh friend, He's enough for you. Has the notion ever entered your mind that maybe, just maybe, those of you who've studied your family tree may be able to answer it with some accuracy and confidence. But has it ever entered your mind that maybe your grandmother, as she was struggling to make a way, put her apron over her head on her kitchen table and prayed for the salvation of her grandchildren or great-grandchildren, and here you are today hearing about the way, the truth, and the life. This is not accidental. Today, Jesus Christ is enough for you, and better, He is right here for you right now. Immutable His will, though dark may be my frame, His loving heart is still unchangeably the same. My soul through many changes goes, His love no variation knows. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and finally, forever. He's the same forever. You see, He didn't have to step out of the portals of eternity and come into time for any self-fulfillment. He came on a love mission. He stepped out of heaven and came into this sin-torn world because He wanted you and I to enjoy what He had enjoyed forever. Now, don't, don't make a mistake here. Had He not come, He would have forever enjoyed what He had ever enjoyed. He, he, he's needless. He's God all by Himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. Triune fellowship. Endlessly delighted in the fellowship of Himself. But the good news that Jesus Christ is the same forever is extraordinarily good news when we can attach personal pronouns. My Jesus is the same forever. The day of Jesus will never wear out. The sun will never set on His day. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You will soon realize how much Jesus matters. You will soon confidently know how relevant He is. When all the stuff you see, I was looking at this wooden floor as we sang, and I was thinking about the day that it's going to fade. And it's going to be an instantaneous fade from one to another when everything that we see that we think matters fades and all that stands out is the Lord Jesus Christ the days coming when no one will matter to you but him he will be more relevant to you than maybe some of us can imagine he has no variation he has no shifting of shadow he is the same forever Hebrews chapter 1 talks about this same concept and it relates to us the idea of creation. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 12, talking about Jesus, it says, You, God, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. And then listen to this. It says, They will perish. That's why I was looking at the wood. They will perish. But you remain. And then Hebrews 1, 12. They, all the trees and the stars and the planets and even you. They will all be changed like a garment. It says they will be folded up. They will be rolled up. And then here it comes. But you, Jesus, are the same. Forever. Creation will 
soon wear out. The new creation will come. The Lord Jesus Christ will be the rightful centerpiece as he always should have been in your heart and mine. In this whole created order, it was all made for his glory. You were made for his glory. Nothing will satisfy you more than bringing glory to God and rendering praise to God. The wick of your life will be set on fire the way you were designed to be lit. If you will render to Jesus the praise that he so rightly deserves, it's not right if you don't praise him. It is the highest crime. If you have any other God before him, you shall have no other gods before him. And forever, and forever, and forever, and forever, he will delight his people with the fountains of his own sufficiency. Malachi 3.6 is the great statement of the immutability of God when God speaks in the first person through the prophet and says, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Do you love the fact that he's the same forever? Because he doesn't change, he says in Malachi, therefore you don't perish. If he one day wears thin, if he one day wears out, if he one day ceases to be who he now is and ever has been, then your salvation is empty. You see, eternal life depends on an eternal God. The simple yet oh so profound truth of John 3.16 for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. You see, He can't give to you what He Himself does not possess. How does a non-eternal give you something eternal? If He's not the same forever, then He has no salvation forever for you. Jesus is the same forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. Forever. You want to know something beautiful? Oh, the people of God can't wait to see this beauty. We've seen in part. We've tasted in part. We've known in part. But one day we will know fully as we've been fully known. Do you want to know something beautiful? When you step into the gates of heaven... And you see not the silly things that we tend to make up in our own imaginations, but when you see gloriously biblical things, when you see glorious biblical things, when you see the radiation of the glory of God beaming from the face of His Son, Hebrews 1.3, when you see the nature of God which would melt you into nothingness, filling you with endless praise that just oozes from His person, when you step into the gates of heaven and you behold the one that Song of Solomon calls the altogether lovely, the one who forever will never stop mediating for you between you and the triune God, the one who sits at the Father's right hand, Hebrews 1.3, enthroned to receive the praises of His people for eternity, who will ever live, Hebrews 7.25, to intercede for you. Who will reign, Revelation 4, forever in your stead. When you see him, you will say something like this. Far more beautiful than I ever imagined. And then, you'll get to dip the little thimble of your life into the endless ocean of his sufficiency. 
only to find that every dip into his sufficiency enlarges your capacity to enjoy him more. He came and bled and died, yes, to forgive you of your sin, but oh, so much more than that. He came and bled and died under the wrath of God for the crimes that you and I had committed so that when He was risen again to life forevermore, you could take your little finite life into the ocean of His infinitude and be enlarged with everlasting capacity to drink down the fullness of who God is. You were made for Him. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, did he fail righteous Abel on the day of his death when Cain murdered him? Did he fail Noah in the flood or to fulfill his promises to our father Abraham who trusted him? Did he fail the nation of Israel during their time of famine or Moses as he stood on the brink of the Red Sea? Did he fail Ruth in the land of Moab or David before the Philistine giant Esther when she stood before the king? Did he fail Job any moment of any of his horrific sufferings? Did he fail Jeremiah who lived a life of tears? Did he fail Daniel in a den of lions or Jonah in the belly of a fish or Habakkuk when his world fell apart today? Did he fail the fishermen who left their nets or the tax collectors who sold it all to follow Jesus? Did he fail Nicodemus who finally buried his lifeless body? Did he fail those ladies who went to put spices on his crucified person or Thomas who touched his pierced side? Did he fail Paul when he was knocked from his horse? Did he fail Lydia when he opened her heart to believe or the jailer who was ready to end his life? Did he fail the little church at Antioch who received his word with joy or the beleaguered church of the Hebrews or the regions in Galatia or the little fellowship in Ephesus or in Iconium? Did he fail the aged John who had been exiled to Patmos for his love for Jesus forever? Will he ever, ever cease to be the angel's delight? Will he ever fail to brighten heaven with the radiance of his glory? Will he ever cease to shine when the sun burns no more? Will he ever cease to rule over all his enemies who would not kiss him and pay homage to him as king? Will he ever forsake those who trust in him? Will he ever fail to fill the throne of grace? Will he ever cease to intercede for his loved ones? Will he ever stop pleading the merits of his blood and righteousness for those whom the Father has given him? Will he ever stop to spread over his people the covering of his righteousness? Yesterday? Did he fail our church fathers in human history who carried the gospel into foreign lands or the reformers who clung to the truth of his justifying gospel power? Today, do you know anybody who loves Jesus more than they love anyone or anything else? Do you know a real Christian? And if you do, the question is, has he ever failed them? Who do you know who loves and trusts him? Has he ever done them wrong? Has he ever failed to fulfill his extraordinary promises and to sustain in the midst of the most incalculable sorrows and tears and pains? Friends, forever, that Jesus, that Jesus, that Jesus, ineffably, gloriously, wonderfully, unchangeably, 
immutably, unalterably thermostat the same. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He who rose again on Easter Sunday is going to fill up your gaze one day. You're going to stand face to face with Jesus of Nazareth. His smile is going to break over His people in such joy and with such brightness that your heart would explode if it could, but He'll keep that from happening. But you're all going to stand before Him. Hebrews is not playing games about the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It says to us very clearly in chapter 4, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates you. It pierces you. I know you've been cut today. Welcome to the club. The Word of God is living and it pierces you like a two-edged sword. It judges your thoughts and your motives. And then Hebrews 4.13 is for you because it's about the changeless Jesus. Nothing is hidden from God's sight, but everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him with whom we must do. Give an account. The only hope for a favorable meeting on that day the only hope, the funeral that happened one block from here yesterday afternoon for a friend who worked two blocks from here and had a massive heart attack unexpectedly, Mr. Kenny, who worked at Miss Ra's corner store, Brian's Grocery. He died a week ago from a massive heart attack, totally unexpected. The only hope for a favorable meeting between you and the changeless Jesus is if you will give your life to Him now, today. That you would find in Him the treasure of your soul. That you would sell everything you are to Him. Total belief that He is who the Bible says He is. Why would you not put your trust in Him? Why would you not believe in the sacrifice He made on your account for your sins and not His own? To make atonement for your crimes, why would you not turn from your wicked ways that are only destroying you and those around you? Why would you not turn from allegiance to the enemy of your soul to have the one who made you for his glory? You must. You must turn. You must turn. This isn't optional. You must turn. I'm begging you on behalf of God, on behalf of Jesus, be reconciled to God. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. He's near to the heart of God for you. He will never change that position on your account. If you will have Him, He will be the channel of God's love to you forever. He will thrill your soul with anything more thrilling than you have ever known or could even dare to believe. He is the same mediator for you forever. Why will you not bank on Him? I say to you positively, bank on Him. Trust Him. Give your everything to Him. Spurgeon, who I cited at the beginning, I'll close with, who said some wonderful things about God's love to us in Christ. Beloved, can you conceive how much Christ will love you when you are in heaven? Can you dare to believe how much Christ will love you when you are in heaven? <clears throat> Have you ever tried to fathom that bottomless sea of affection in which you shall swim, when you shall bathe yourself in the seas of heavenly rest, can you ever think of the love which Christ will manifest to you 
when he shall present you without spot or blemish or any such thing before his father's throne, well, pause and remember that he loves you at this hour as much as he will love you then. For he will ever be the same forever as he is today, and he is the same today as he will be forever. This one thing I know, Spurgeon concludes, if Jesus' heart is set on me, he will not love me one atom better when this head wears a crown and when this hand shall be with joyous fingers touching the strings of golden harps than he loves me right now amidst all my sin, all my cares, and all my woe. Love what the hymn writer said. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been. Thou forever will be. Oh, Lord God Almighty. Through stammering lips and stumbling tongues, we try to extol your majesty and we know that we touch, if we even reach that high, we touch only the hem of his garment. He's more than we can express. He's better than our minds have entertained. And we throw ourselves off the cliff of our own self-confidence into the open arms of the Lord Jesus Christ who bore our iniquities and conquered sin, hell, Satan, and death who rose again with the keys in his hand to death and to hell, who is alive forevermore, the conqueror, the alpha, the omega. Lord, though we only see in part now, though we can only say a part of what we see, we long for the day and say with the writers of Scripture, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. We want you. We want to see you. We want to be with you. And as so long as you give us breath in these lungs and beat in these hearts, may you receive from us the glory that you so rightly deserve. We ask that the risen Jesus would be enthroned not only in heaven's height, but down in our little heart. That he would be Lord of us. And we would say with our lips, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. The same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He is Lord. Lord, bless us to know you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.